Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God reveals his plans to his servants. He told Noah that the flood was coming and where people could go to escape the judgment. He told Abraham and Lot about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and how they could be saved. He told the Israelites about the destroying nations and about what they could do to be saved from them. Humility and repentance. After he had paid for our sins on the cross. After he had conquered the grave in his resurrection and ascended into heaven, the disciples were told, this Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Once again, the church of Jesus Christ knew something, something important before the world did. In our text today, Paul emphasizes what a blessing it is that God entrusts his gospel into the hands of the church. I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme, the Lord entrusts his church with the gospel until the day that Christ appears. We'll see what we are called to do, who is walking with us, and why it is important. We saw in the first verses of this letter of 1 Timothy that God our Savior and Jesus Christ our hope commanded the Apostle Paul to write this letter to the evangelist Timothy who was working in the church at Ephesus. When Paul tells Timothy now in our text to keep the commandment, and then a little later, guard the deposit, he is referring to the whole gospel as he explained it in the letter he just wrote that we just kind of skimmed through in our Bible reading. So what is the message that God has entrusted to the church It is to keep yourself in the stewardship or order from God, how he established things since the beginning, that stewardship that is by faith. That's chapter one, verse four. And then it is to serve the world as the pillar and the buttress of the truth. Chapter three, verse 15 repeating the sound words of Jesus Christ like we see in chapter 6, verse 3, and dedicated to the continual public reading of Scripture and its exhortation and its teaching like we read in 1 Timothy 4, verses 12 to 13. We may know that the gospel message that Jesus Christ came into the world The gospel message is that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. There is one God. There is one mediator between God and man. And this mediator is Jesus Christ who gives access to heaven to all who believe in him. You see the similarity? The church has had this message. There is is punishment for the sinners, but there is a way to salvation in the grace and the mercy of God. This God is gathering an assembly of believers into his household. 
the household of God, we read in chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. And this household is under the leadership of, of elders and deacons who are like under shepherds representing the good shepherd Jesus Christ in our local situation so that we may live as brothers and sisters in love and purity and service and mutual respect. When the Holy Spirit solemnly charged Timothy to guard and preserve this gospel, when he wrote these words, he was thinking of you. After holding this gospel up before us, like, like a beautiful treasure that, that gives hope, that gives life, that gives healing and peace and the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, he, he leans over and, and he puts it into your hands. The treasure of the gospel. And as he reveals it to us, the Holy Spirit then urges the church to keep the commandment without spot, free from reproach. Thinking of the generations to come, including our own 2017. He strongly exhorts the church to preserve the truth without wavering from it, without swerving away from it, without ever teaching anything different than the words of Jesus Christ. We are given the responsibility of preserving the truth so that the beauty of the treasure can be seen by everybody. We think of the generations to come. We could witness a, a baptism. Celine, thinking of generations to come. We, we can also think of, of those around us and in all the world. Last night, there was a, a word indeed dinner. You see that, that treasure being shared in so many places in the world. Paul explains in our text that it's our responsibility to preserve the truth so that the beauty of the treasure can be seen. In the last verses of our chapter, the Holy Spirit explains that the man of God must avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. He's urging the church not to, to cover up the truth with, with a whole bunch of words. He's saying, don't let the truth leave you. Don't swerve away from this path I have revealed to you in my word. Because this gospel is what defines you as God's church. This gospel, this treasure, says Paul, as he's, as he's preaching it, as the Holy Spirit puts it on our hearts, he said, this gospel is your identity. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, we always will want this place, this congregation, this church, to be the place to go if someone wants to find the, true, the truth of Jesus Christ. God has given his church the, the task of being protectors of the gospel, of the treasure. And so if the world comes in through these doors, the next generation being raised up in, in our homes, if, if they don't hear it, well then we cease to be church of Jesus Christ. And what are we? Then we become protectors of fluff, protectors of of nothing, 
of irreverent babble, of contradictions, of that is, which is falsely called knowledge. But we are protectors of the treasure. And brothers and sisters, it isn't complicated. It's like Noah. It's like Noah telling the people that the flood was coming. Simple. The flood is coming. God is a holy God. There is a way to salvation in Jesus Christ. And so Noah preached to them coming to the ark. The wonderful truth has been revealed to you by God for some of us since you were little children being raised up. You know the gospel. Jesus Christ came in the world to pay for the sins of all who believe in him to save you from the coming judgment. You do not need a degree in theology to understand the truth that was given to you. You don't need to be super smart to understand it. But you do need to be sure. You do need to be brave because you have to stand up against much opposition. Noah was walking against the flow, fighting against the the pressures of his society when he came with a new message. The light doesn't look a lot like the darkness. And so what a blessing it is to know who is walking with us. You notice that throughout this, this letter, that First Timothy, you can see the direct involvement of Jesus Christ. Although he is in heaven, he is directly involved in the ongoing work of preaching and teaching. That gospel that Jesus came into the world to save sinners, he's behind that gospel in many ways. We see in chapter 1, verse 12, that Paul says, Jesus Christ appointed me to the service of preaching. Chapter 1, verse 16, that Christ was displaying his patience through Paul's ministry. And then we understand how the church is is standing as a representative of Jesus Christ in the world. And Paul wants to make, when Paul wants to make an important point to Timothy, he reminds Timothy like we can read in chapter 5, verse 21, that he is speaking in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his elect angels. First Timothy reveals clearly that although God is in heaven, he is still with his church. He is still with his church and in such an intimate way, such a close way that Paul can say in First Timothy 6, verse 13, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. The Lord who gives the charge through the apostle is the Lord who sees and who who keeps us as we carry it out. It's a wonderful thing to reflect on who is with us on our journey. He is says Paul, he's the God who gives life. When we fight the good fight, when we pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness, we do so because we are on the side of God who gives life to all things. Every, every worship service, we start that 
We start with that acknowledgement, that confession. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. He gives life to every creature. He sustains and governs all things. You see the the greatness that's sometimes referred to as the transcendence of our God. And yet in case that his transcendence might make you think that he is too great to understand what you are really facing each day in your day-to-day struggle, the Holy Spirit also mentions his nearness, sometimes referred to as his imminence. When God took on human flesh and stood on trial before an earthly judge named Pontius Pilate. You see the two parts right in the same sentence. The God who gives life, Jesus Christ who made the good confession. On earth, when we are dragged before governors and kings, says our Lord Jesus in Matthew 10, when we are dragged before governors and kings for the sake of our faith, and we do not know what to say, it is Jesus who helps and gives the spirit of his Father to you. We see how the Lord is is with us on our journey throughout the generations. And in his ministry here on this earth, in a country that you can even visit today to show the nearness of God Almighty, the Creator, the Lord Jesus stood there as a, a human being before the most powerful Roman governor in his region, in order to be condemned. I think the Lord Jesus knows very well the human experiences that we sing about in the Psalms of anxiety. Imagine standing before Pontius Pilate to be condemned. The anxiety, the fear, the sadness, the betrayal, the things we, we sing about in the Psalms, the Lord Jesus knows. He knows what that's like. Do you see who is walking with you? Do you see that he is the Lord of the gospel that you are proclaiming? When you believe that gospel message that you are called to protect and to guard, well, then you know why Jesus could look at Pontius Pilate and say to him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Paul gives us a description of the Lord we worship in 1 Timothy 6, verses 15 and 16. Reminds us he is a blessed and only sovereign the King of kings and Lord of lords. Not even the mighty Roman emperor himself stands higher than the Lord God of heaven and earth. Though we talk of the sovereignty of of every country with its king, the church has been entrusted with the truth that there is a king of all those kings, the Lord who is over all those lords, those masters, And he is our God. He is our Father in Jesus Christ. 
In 1 Timothy 1, verse 17, Paul calls the Lord, we worship the King of the ages. You put that on your, your fridge as a daily reminder, I am servant of the King of the ages. And now again at the end of the letter, he tells us that the Lord is the only and blessed sovereign. There is no one higher than our God the one who's walking with you. But how does, how does that make you feel? Do you see who walks with his church as we protect that, that treasure until the day that Christ appears? In the beginning of the letter, Paul had said that the Lord is immortal, invisible, the only God. And again, now at the, the end of the letter, he says that he alone has immortality. Immortality means that God cannot die. He is always there. Psalm 90 says he's a shade at my right hand. Psalm 121, we sang that particular stanza that he does not slumber or sleep. He always has been and he always will be. And when the Holy Spirit tells us that God dwells in unapproachable light, it reminds us of Psalm 104 that we, we read together, we had proclaimed in our midst some weeks ago, where we read that the Lord wraps himself in, the, in light. And then we are reminded of Moses coming down the mountain after seeing the Lord and, and needing to cover his face with a veil because it was too bright because he had been in the presence of God. Yet though he dwells in unapproachable light, no one has ever seen him and no one can see him. The God we worship is holy and he is holy other. He is the one who, who stands behind us. And brothers and sisters, although you may not see him when you look up to the the blue skies or the cloudy skies, or when you look across the, the open prairies, he is there. That's the treasure. That's the gospel we proclaim. He knows your name. We can always speak with the confidence of Elisha. You remember that time when he was in the, in the city, he was surrounded by enemy soldiers and his, his servant was very nervous and, and Elisha said to him, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then the servant's eyes were open and he could see the, the, the army of God around the city. What a joy it is to belong to the sovereign, eternal, immortal king who is walking with us, who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to stand before Pilate to make the good confession for our salvation, for our life. We join with that prayer in verse 16, to him be honor and dominion forever. To him be honor and eternal dominion, amen. Beautiful way to start your day too. Started with your vision, who is with you? To him be honor and eternal dominion. May we honor him with our obedience to keep the commandment in its simple beauty. May we honor him with our complete trust and faith in his eternal dominion. 
May we stand firm in the good confession and shine as a light in the world until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what makes it so important. The repeated exhortation of our text is to persevere, to guard the faith. Do not swerve from it. Do not keep on seeking new and different things. Do you see why that is important? It is important because if we believe any message other than the gospel that was revealed to us, we will not be saved when Christ Jesus returns. This adds a great weight and urgency to our responsibility to be faithful. You know the truth of the gospel. And if you have the slightest amount of compassion, you will let people know what God has told you about the future. In our text, Paul is emphasizing this urgency. He ends his letter with that urgent message to be faithful so that it can be known that Jesus Christ is appearing. You notice that in one sentence, he moves, he moves from, from the scene of Jesus, a weak-looking man being condemned to death by the Roman governor, to the scene in which the same Jesus appears in glory, an epiphany. Paul, you see that, look at that verse. He, he skips over, he skips over Jesus' death, his resurrection and ascension. He goes from him before Pilate to him appearing. And this makes us realize that we are living in the last days. Christ remained faithful. He fulfilled the scriptures. He brought the promised peace and, and resurrection and reconciliation that he promised. He received the crown of the eternal king so that in our testimony before both men and God, we can fearlessly make the good confession in him. You see, there's really nothing more that God has to accomplish before his return, except to wait for the full number of those who belong to him. He can come any day and come any moment. We're in the, the last days. There's, there's an urgency. He, he can return, he will return in, in the twinkling of an eye before I'm even finished the sentence or the sermon. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you embrace that gospel that he entrusted to each one of us, if you love it, this is wonderful news to hear. Because the very gospel we proclaim declares that he is the way to eternal glory with the Father and everyone who believes in him. We will sing that, come Lord Jesus, Maranatha. What a message we have to share with the world until he comes. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Turn away from idols and serve the living God. There is forgiveness for all your sins. There is salvation in our God. Brothers and sisters, this isn't a hard message to say. It's not a hard message to receive. It's a message of hope and life. Paul says that Christ Jesus is our hope. That's verse one. That's how he started. 
A nice way to describe your Savior, our hope. And even though it may not always be received very well, and we're told to expect that, and people keep on eating and drinking and getting married like they did in the days of Noah when he proclaimed that very simple message. Peter warns even in chapter 3, verses, uh, 2 Peter 3, verses 1 to 7, he, he tells you, he says, many people are going to scoff at you because they can't see the God who has revealed himself in the Scriptures. But you must not expect that there will be only rejection and scoffing and turning away. Not everyone will ignore the message. And those whom God has called and chosen will be faithful to the call. They will hear the voice of their good shepherd. They will be changed for all eternity. Maybe their, understa- maybe their understanding and conviction will not come right away. Maybe you who told them the message will not even see the change as they, they go away to a different place or you go away to a different place. But God has told us that his word will not come back empty. Whether they reject the message you share or believe the message, on the day that Christ Jesus returns, everyone will see that the message was true. For there is no doubt that Jesus Christ will appear at the proper time, will confirm everything that we believe and confess about the honor and the eternal dominion of our Lord. The book of Revelation tells us that the war against the Lamb of God, that's a reference to Jesus Christ, the ascended King, that that war will end when the Lamb conquers all his enemies. And then we saw it when we walked into Revelation 17, verse 14. What did it say? Maybe you remember, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. And then you see, How important the gospel message that has been entrusted to you, how important it really is. It's a matter of life and death. Eternal life and eternal death. Your decision to stand up for the truth will be used by God to save Lives to change hearts before the appearing of Jesus Christ. And your action reveals your faith in what you confess to be true. Your willingness to go against the flow, to go against the stream. It's a testimony that the Spirit has has taken His Word, including the, the Word that we have in this letter, 1 Timothy. This Word that is just preached to us, that He has taken that, He has Put it on our hearts. It is something real. It is something that changes how we see the world. God wants to see the command, the deposit, the gospel preached to every person. So guard it. Keep the commandment of our Lord Jesus. Take special care of one another as the household of God. And as men and women 
children, in all your different offices and calling, live for the glory of your triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To him be honor and eternal dominion forever. Amen.